trailblazers in research, innovators in technology, and those who simply have a good story. All make up the fabric that is George Mason University. We're taking on the grand challenges that face our students, graduates, and higher education is our mission and our passion. Hosted by Mason President Gregory Washington, this is the Access to Excellence podcast. What makes a party feel just right? What can you do musically that makes people want to engage? My guest today has the answer to that question at a whole new level. Dr. Michael Nickens, or as we affectionately like to call him here at George Mason, Doc Nix, is an associate professor and a director of athletic bands, but he is also the leader and flamboyant conductor of the Green Machine which was recognized by the NCAA as the nation's number one pep band. The band's unique style, pioneered by Nickens and his team, blends hip-hop, rock, jazz, R&B, and never fails to get the party jumping. He's also launched Mason's Fife and Drum Corps and the WGI World Championship Drumline, and he oversees Mason's Winter Guard. The collection of performing units known as the Green Machine Ensemble are now internationally known for their thrilling, high-energy performances at Mason ceremonies and basketball games and also at professional and community events. Doc is also pretty good on the tuba, and in fact, he's brought one along with him today. Doc Nix, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is really amazing, and I'm glad we get to spend this time and... uh, I'm just very thrilled to be part of this. This is a long time coming. You know, we've been spending time talking to our faculty and getting them here and engaging, and I've been looking forward to this one for quite some time. Same. So let's start with the question I, I raised at the very beginning of the podcast. What makes a party feel just right? You know, we uh, are so blessed to have very talented and expressive artists that come join the band and are part of our community. And I, I love the way that they either are not shy about it or they learn how to bring it out of themselves. Their vision is of how we should be partying together, how we should be communicating with each other. And so that turns into ideas about which songs, how do we perform those songs, the dancing, the the hooting and hollering, screaming and all that kind of stuff. I guess that all that to say is we make the party out of our own dreams and our own hopes. And that's what makes that party feel right. And people don't realize that for those of you who have not been to see the Green Machine perform, you are missing a treat. You've got to come out to one of our games, one of their performances, and just get into the atmosphere. I will guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. They are just simply outstanding. You know, I've heard you say that the key to the process of bringing people into the music is starting with the soft. What does that mean, (laughs) starting with the soft? You know, it's all about contrast. Think about when you're even in front of a classroom teaching. You can put a mic on, you can raise your voice, all these things. But once you start talking in a way where everyone has to start leaning in, everyone has to pay just a little bit more attention to the details, and you put that intensity in that very soft but intense burn down here because what's coming 
is an explosion of an energy. <laughs> I've got you all wrapped in this hey. thing, and you're leaning in, and I can pop you right on the jaw and give you the, give, give you the that, give you that jump. You know what no, I'm I love it. I love it. I love it. That gets to kind of to my next question in terms of how the musicians take the whole sensibility to heart. People who see you as Doc Nix, they see this persona, right? But actually, Professor Nickens is like this cool, mild-mannered dude. You go through a transformation, at least in persona and alter ego. So talk a little bit about how you transform, right? And, and how much of that takes that whole sensibility piece into heart. All of us grew up seeing superhero stories and right, right. seeing the difference between the blending in persona and then there's the get down to work persona with some of the famous superheroes, the Supermans and the Batmans. You dig a little deeper and you start to wonder which one is the costume and which one is the truth, you know, and lots of ways we could talk about that. I would say that one of the biggest inspirations was just thinking back to being in high school marching band and I needed to run from the football field to the band room to get something and bring it back. And I was in my band uniform. And the fastest way was to go through the gate where they had the ticket sales. And some volunteer or employee saw me and knew immediately that they didn't need to get a ticket from me based on this head-to-toe school club. Yeah, exactly right. And so I had, had this discovery of access and recognition just in that thing, right? right? And there's so many college basketball band directors. They're doing the right thing. They got their school-colored polo on with the, right. with the logo on. They got their khakis. Or, or, or they got their little tie and, right, and, right. and, and shirt on. And, and that's, that's a good professional way to handle the job. But for me, I watched Howard Band, and I watched Alabama State, and I watched Hampton, and I watched FAMU, and I, I saw how much a presence the director could have, how much the presence the drum major could have, how much the mascot and cheerleaders mm-hmm. all could, and it's all based on the school colors and, and the just the, the, the right kind of fire to bring in, into the space, and I just couldn't bring myself to put on some khakis, and it just wasn't going to be the right thing for the performance. Not if we are going to make it into a performance. If I, You know, there might be a time in, in the right kind of meeting, and I'm sort of in my dress down and I'm trying to be part of the faculty and of course I'll put my, my polo on and do that whole thing but especially Eagle Bank Arena you know as we formerly all knew it in the neighborhood as a Patriot Center we all came to see some of the top rock rap acts right. you know of all time right, right right and in fact a lot of us in the neighborhood really think of it more as a music venue so when we get a chance to play basketball in that space I wanted to just continue all of that and you know I grew up half an hour from here so all those shows were going on and I knew about them and came to some of them and it just seemed like the convergence of all those things seemed like the right thing at the right time they hired me right after the, the final four happened and the, one of the main directives was take this energy and continue it and I just didn't think that said khaki and <laughs> polo so well look that you have done without question for those of you who may not know the alter ego for Professor Nickens here is Doc Nix. And he's this larger than life character. He's the leader of the Green Machine. You will see him when the band is performing. He has on his shades, either a long coat or a vest. He has this big hat on sometimes. And he's always wielding, it, it looks like a, a staff with a green emerald or, or something like that right on the on the tip of it. 
So yeah, that, that's also what you use to conduct. That's right. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a convergence, another convergence. I'm dressed to the nine, so I need the proper walking stick for that, you know. But that's also, right. I do feel like royalty when I'm like that. So that's my scepter. And then also, I'm the drum major, so I need my mace. So it has multiple uses. And then going all the way back to Coach Larinaga pointing out when we're in our green uniforms and we're playing against some team that thinks they're Superman, we know that we are kryptonite. So that has, from the beginning, been the kryptonite cane. The kryptonite cane. I love it. I, I See, I did not know that. I've learned something new today. I will use this. Absolutely. <laughs> without question. So what I want the audience here to do a little bit is to learn something because those who are familiar, they know who Doc Nix is, right? Probably more singularly identifiable in some sense as much as the Patriot is, right? So if the Patriot and you have Doc Nix. And, you know, we just had our student activities fair right, right. out here. Yeah, there hundreds of students out. And I walked through the group. And every now and then somebody would say, oh, that, that, was, that was President Washington right there. I, I think that was President Washington. But if Doc Nix came out... <laughs> I can guarantee you a crowd would follow, right? Well, part of the secret is is there's so many members of the band that they're probably band members. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hear you. But I on top you. of that, yeah, the students come out for those games, and it's very exciting when we get a, a couple thousand students, especially when they become repeat customers and they're coming back and coming back. What I'm trying to be is just making sure that they have somebody giving them permission to cheer the right way, to act the right way, to, to get into to the game, dance together, to sort of focus the energy. And so making sure I'm recognizable helps that. It starts to go to the students themselves, especially the ones that they come in the costumes and all that kind of stuff. So then that all just transfers right outside. And I think that the basketball games just have been so successful at a big universal thing that everybody wants to be part of some kind of way that's right um, and they show up for it and and so that's a, a good if i'm somewhere else and they recognize me from that then that's a good sign that those games are going right so who's the real you so if i were to just pull back a little are, are you that self-spoken professor that i'm sitting with here today or are you the alter ego i mean it's got to be the yin and the yang right <laughs> there's no way i could do my job properly in that space if i didn't naturally have what I want to be in there. And it wouldn't have even occurred to me to put on a head-to-toe gold suit or some pinstripes. If that wasn't naturally part of me, I don't think anybody could have suggested that to me, and then I would have thought about it. and like, you know, I never considered it. It's like, I've been dying to do that. I love being in front of the big crowd like that. I love when they respond to me. I love being able to put the right tune in place at the right time, and you just hear you hear the, the oh, and people start clapping along and cheering and, and uh, we know that we're doing it right so it's like all of that is just a natural part of who I am and who I hope to be want to make an impression in the place I feel like we've had a lot of really great successes and they've been they've been things that we had to really kind of dream and, and twist the dream and stretch the dream mm-hmm. and I couldn't do that if I was at full burn all the time and that takes some quiet reflection that takes mapping out the ideas and listening a lot and most of what's going well for me isn't because it's just me and something that I dreamt up and something I'm saying. I am trying to synthesize everyone around me. I'm trying to f- make sure that they have room to say what they're trying to say and, and get what they're envisioning out. And then I try to tie it together or open up the pathway so they can do the work or whatever it is. And so if I'm talking all the time, there's no room for anyone else. So I have to have the ebb and flow of both 
give an example of what it's like to bring the fire and then get out of the way so that others can do the same. And then I have to rest, too. There's no way I can just keep it up here at all times. No, so I hear you. I hear you, man. You know, when you come to see, and you can't just hear the green machine. If you had a green machine CD, it, it almost wouldn't do it justice. Now, green machine DVD would do it some justice. Right. The streaming of the green machine uh, do it justice, right? Because it's not just about the music. It's about the actual performance. It's yeah. about that energy that gets encapsulated in this intersection of performance, dancing, and music, right? Bringing that whole together and then ushering or engaging the crowd in such a way that you bring the crowd in. When I'm doing the job right, the real peak moments, that entire crowd is the band. Uh, everyone in, everyone in the it. room is. I love it. I love it. So talk to me a little bit about process, right? It's, it, there is a process that you all go through in your training and your education and that, that regimented part. So what's the process like? One is just having a great team in place. When the band grew, the brand grew so fast. It was just the most important thing that we had enough teachers around to kind of help guide from all sides of it, but also band from the beginning when you join even in fifth grade there's a section leader there's student leader of some sort so when you're coming up through music programs that leadership is baked in at every step so by the time they get to college they've all had experience being a drum major a student conductor drill instructor all these different things and so we just try to find out how to take all those skills, and especially if they learned it you know, in football band. And we, we've done a little bit of football band, but our main thing is this basketball thing. And so we are trying to learn how to adapt what you already know and collide ideas together. So that's a lot of the process is me just either by saying the words or by example, asking the question, what's your dream all the time? What's your dream? What's your dream? What do you vision? What could it be like? What can you add? How can we switch this up? And so... That turns into the students getting an idea for a song that we don't have and we should learn, which then means somebody has to write it because there's no store I can go to to get a music charge for this group. There's nobody that has the instruments that we have or, or wow. even the format or anything. I'd say 99.99% of what you hear, we have written ourselves, whether I wrote it and really the real truth and, is. And that's, even, and that's even when it's a song that's in the popular lexicon right. that was produced. Right. Right? So you so you play a Stevie Wonder song. That's right. You all have to take that and then redo it. That's correct. To fit in the context of the band. That's right. For the wow. instrumentalists that we have and for the specific instruments. Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. So you called the Green Machine an entire music teaching community. Yeah. What do you mean by that? That's for sure. Two ways to speak about that because... I'm inclusive of everybody. Anyone that's ever taught anybody that I benefited from, their student comes, those teachers are all part of us, whether they recognize it or not. It's an eco ecosystem that goes beyond the campus, goes beyond the time that they're here at Mason. So that's the biggest way to think of it. It's like anybody that helped get some student on the path to become part of this band is part of the band. But then once you're here, we just try to take advantage of everything they're learning. And that's not just in music. You know, I've got students that come in with talents beyond performance. Students that have come in and they brought their beautiful eye and they take great pictures and grab great video for us. They're music and they're sound engineers and they know how to record us the right way or write a story about us, draw pictures of us, that kind of thing. So all of that communicates 
about us. It reveals things to ourselves about what we're doing. It inspires us to go in new directions. And then straight to the music itself, we're combining marching band. We're combining all the rock, funk, church traditions, hip-hop traditions, jazz traditions. So the inspiration is coming from all directions. Just me walking in through the JC, I get inspired once again. You know, the community of the world oh, is in this you, building. But did you see the students are back? And That's right. We were fully open last year, but it was still somewhat muted because right. people hadn't really, in my opinion, embraced the spirit of truly coming back. Right. Now? Yeah, they are there. The yeah. lines are lines are wrapping around, trying to get food, yeah. and every table's taken up, and you can just see the community of the world in the faces, in the clothes, and the sounds that you're hearing, languages, and all. It's all happening. And you bring all of that into the music. And we do our best to everything that we can make work. We go for it, ah, and, outstanding. And then try to try to leave room for the strangest, most novel idea. The more it shocks us, the more we want to go after it. No, I, I hear you. I, look, I, I remember we were doing that parent recruitment event for students and their parents, and your green machine. I remember you all performing a song in Japanese. That's right. And then you performed a classical type ballad. And then you rolled right into Puff Daddy. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's it right. was boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, whoa, that's range. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It was so fun, especially because uh, the young lady who sings in Japanese, her name is Torres. Uh-huh. And she's fluent in Spanish. And then when, the, when it came time for that tune to come, and she was ready to go. Oh, that's um, amazing. That's beautiful amazing. stuff. So ultimately, you're the conductor. You're the guy out front. What is your purpose as conductor? Try to give them great suggestions. Try to make context for whatever the work is about to be. How intense is it supposed to be? Give reminders of how we can unify it more, how we can emote more. If we're at 100%, then now it's time to bring it to 150% and try to help ride that. And then sometimes I just surf it. They're generating all of it. And it's my job to ride with it, but don't hinder it. Get out of the way of it. Let it just become what it's going to become. Every performance has got some moment that even surprises us. And I just want to make sure that those moments happen because those are the moments where we mechanically do certain things to get it done. And then there's other times where we just explore the universe in that moment. And those are the moments that feel like we have really accomplished something. We discover something about ourselves just in a single timeout or post-game celebration or, or a ceremony or something like that. You know, just so happy that we were there together. Even if we can't articulate what it was, you can just tell because everybody gels. No, I you know. hear you. I love it. I love it. So the band has played at the World Series. That's right. When the Nationals were in it, you played at other pro sporting events. Talk to us about what it means to bring the Green Machine to the community. I love that we built the reputation that we're a go-to. We're someone that folks want to call when they have a big event. Playoffs for Wizards, playoffs for the Caps, draft day for the Washington football team. We found our way out to even like minor league baseball and uh, oh, that's cool. DC United. I forgot about that. And so it just makes us feel like it's an acknowledgement that we, the university and the Green Machine, are an important part of the DMV community and. When something special happens, it feels great that that's who they think of to bring. It's like, yeah. well, what can we do to, to uh, honor how special this moment is? Well, the Green Machine should perform. And, and it just it, it keeps rolling. It keeps happening. So I'm honored. But also, you know, this is my home. All four of my grandparents 
lived in the district. Three of them taught at Howard. You know, my father-in-law was brothers went to Howard. My parents were married, Rankin Chapel. So I have an affinity, and I feel very close. I was born in the district myself, so I feel very close to the city. And so and, you're a DMV. You're a DMV guy. All around Maryland, DC, and Virginia, all of it. I'm just so proud that I've been able to be here and make a contribution, and feel very blessed that this opportunity at Mason came when it did, and I've been able to put in so many years taking care of my home. Well, look, we are just ecstatic to have you. I hear that comedian and actor uh, Bill Murray is a huge fan. Is that right? <laughs> it was a, a wonderful thing that came about. His son is a coach. He's up at uh, UConn now. But at the time, he was coaching at Towson. And he's friends with a former assistant coach of ours, Chris Caputo, who is now the GW head coach. And so... Through all that, we took the team down to uh, and the band down to Charleston for a tournament, which is where Mr. Murray lives. And then there he is, just low key, sitting in the stands watching basketball. They did a little interview with him on the side, and then he came walking by the band. We got his attention and got him to kick off a tune. Funny little moment, had a little fun with it, and then that was it. So I thought. And then maybe, I don't know, he was either a few months or maybe a year later, he showed up here at one of our games as we're playing Towson. Really? And uh, he's sitting courtside, and so I you know, went over to reintroduce myself, and, uh, and he just kept talking about all the songs that we play that he loves, especially Cashmere was one that, that, that he brought up. And so we invited him over the post game and he kicked off a tune. And then afterwards, we took maybe about 12 members out to dinner. He bought dinner for everyone and hung out. Oh, wow. Um, right over at, that is amazing. Yeah, right over at Red Hot and Blue. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really, really fun night. In fact, I have a custom jersey for him and I need to deliver it. So I'm going to figure out how to do that. I'm in touch with his son, so I'm going to make sure I can make that connection. Oh, that is so cool. How do you think being a part of the Green Machine and the whole process of engagement, having experiences like that, right? You know, experiencing the World Series, experiencing some of these pro events, being able to perform at that high level at these really spectacular venues, right? Thousands of people. Mm -hmm. How do you think that affects the students? Even for those who are not going to make music a career. On that particular point, there's some careers in music that are very well known, and we think of those as the pie in the sky or the most mainstream or something. But one of the things that I see and I hope for them and I hope for all of society is you have a, an experience in music where you start to understand that it's humans connecting in verbal and nonverbal. It's, it's, it's intuitive. It's, it's uh, very specific with lyrics or stories being told, even if it's only like at the gut level. And then taking that out into the world, no matter what it is, and, and whether you just bring the spirit of that kind of communication to your work, mm -hmm. or you learn the truth of music permeates every profession. Some kind of way, you've got music in your life, in a presentation, That's right. That's right. in uh, just the way people want to meditate and work and, and communicate, all kinds of things. A so commercial it's commercial like, or something. It's right? so it? tough for me to say that something's not a music job, you know? Right. And if they bring that to them, whatever level they brought, I'd say... It is a music job. It's not 100% or maybe a different way of thinking about it. So there's that piece of it. So I hope they bring that with them. And then on top of that, not only are we performing at the World Series, but some student gets to lead the tune that they came up with, wrote themselves, taught to the band, and they got to conduct that at the World Series. You know, our students that put together, they won a competition and they got to be the national anthem at a, at a DC United game. They did that arrangement themselves. They practiced it themselves. They put the group together, whatever. So I hope more than anything, they keep noticing that we just keep looking around for infinite possibilities 
we keep thinking about what would bring us joy and what would be good to bring to the world. And then we work as hard as we can to make sure that we do that. And I hope they also learn that you use fun as a catalyst and as a goal. And we weave fun into everything because there's just no reason to not if you can. I used to say all the time, it's so much more fun to have fun than it is to not have fun. And so we just build that all the way in so that they understand that living can be a joyful act even when it's time to work hard. And generosity is important and being generous with your joy and your spirit and bringing folks together and then looking for those infinite possibilities. Sometimes they're giant grandiose and sometimes they're just a matter of flipping something upside down that no one's thought to do before and so i hope they're getting that out of it and that's cool i have a lot of proof that they do because i see it everywhere no that is really really cool so let's talk a little bit about you so you told us earlier you grew up in the dmv now my understanding is that you had a 97 year old aunt who was your inspiration and encouraged you right so what was her name and what was her influence? So that's Nora Drew Gregory. Okay, okay. And uh, she's the sister of Dr. Charles Drew. Charles Drew, the that's Charles correct. Drew? That's correct. That's her brother. Wow. And she's the mother of Colonel Fred Gregory, the astronaut. Whoa. And she's my noni. And the whole family knew her the same way. It was very much uh, nurturing, generous, but particular woman and you learned your manners and you learned how to act and if you weren't doing that properly you were going to spend the weekend at her house and that's pretty much every cousin I've got (laughs) got some story about that and at her house there was a piano a little upright my sister used to play and then you know you try to be like your older sister and you sit down you bang around on keys and at some point they start to teach you how to play one note at a time and then how to listen and how to play back something that you've heard and even a record could be on and I could hear that melody and I could plunk it out and find my way to it. She never stopped me from doing that. If I was playing, she would make sure I had all the time and space to do that. Those beginning times, it takes a while to get to where you're able to make some sense out of the whole thing. And so I can then fast forward years, years, years later to me. She was with me at something. I don't remember what it was, but somebody was asking me questions and I talked about the beginning of music being fifth grade when I joined the band and someone put a tube in my hand for the first time and boy she could not stand it and it was almost like she got angry at me because she did not want me to overlook the importance of all that time I spent at her piano Uh just on my own with no teacher finding my way to something. So are you saying she didn't want you to play the tuba? No, she, no, no, no. It wasn't that. She just didn't want me to overlook how important that time by myself. No, I get it. I get it. So when did you pick up the tuba? Yeah, fifth grade at Stratford Landing Elementary School in the, in the school band. And uh, Mr. Hall was the band director. And uh, it was a, a fascination, the size of the instrument. And the only I was the only person asking to play it. But also just a, a funny little thing that happened in my mother's kitchen my mom and my sister were actually sort of making fun of it, but they were saying, you're a big guy, and they're going to want you to play the tuba. And they do what all a bunch of people do when they're making fun of the tuba, and they start going, boom, boom, And whatever, <laughs> I'll own it. We make those sounds. Right, right, right. Um, but then, yeah, there was something really cool about having this giant thing and making this deep, big sound. And, and then as you get more and more into it, the contribution that the bass makes to the overall of the music 
sounds like it comes from any, any direction. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially when you get a nice big room and a big horn. You might not even be able to tell where in the room it's coming from. But I also love doing music more than just inside. You know, that, that, that point where they invited me to join the marching band in, in ninth grade at West Potomac. Take that sousaphone and play it out in the field. And, you know, it's like you're inside and you have to have a certain amount of reserved with your volume because you can blow the whole room out. These instruments were definitely meant to be played outside, making a big sound. So when you finally get outside, and then plus, I grew up in a football town, you know, watching the uh, Washington-Dallas games and just a, a whole lot of fun. The West Potomac football games were a whole lot of fun, and they used to do, do really well, especially when I was younger. Be able to come part of that and have a recognized and admired role bringing music into those situations it really, really sparked something in me, and I've been so blessed to be able to stick with it all this time. So the tuba ultimately brought you to the University of Michigan, right? And got your doctorate right. there in musical arts after getting your master's degree at Yale. Is that right? That's correct. Now, if you're in Michigan at any amount of time, you know the big rivalry game that comes in November, Michigan I've, I've, versus Ohio I've State. I've heard that, that there's a game that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. about it. Well, you, 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 <laughs> Michigan was on the losing end of a lot of those uh, games. Maybe, so maybe, like, maybe since I graduated, yeah. but I could, we, could, we could point back a little bit. <laughs> you got to go way back. Anyway. But so, I'll tell you what's really fun about those parties. The fact that we know we're going to have it every year. Uh-huh. We make a lot of friends on both sides. And the folks that really understand, especially how to do it in Ann Arbor, they know that that party really starts Thursday morning. And we are out on Elbel Field frying turkeys and drinking beer way too early in the morning for a couple days even. Going, going into that game. Leading into that game. And it's, it is definitely worth it. Well, well so I, it, there's a musical part to this that unless you are involved in those universities, you don't really connect with. But Ohio State does this march called Script Ohio. That's and correct. It spelled out the Ohio. And Did you know that that was invented by the Michigan band? That's what I was going to bring it up. It was <laughs> invented by the Michigan band. And the I in Ohio, that's the right. I is either dotted by a tuba player or a sousaphone that's right. player. That's right. So a tuba guy like you would be the individual you know, that, who would have dotted that I. A good friend of mine, she was that. She played in the Air Force and was, I think, think, as far as I understand, the first woman to be the to, dot. To dot the eye. Yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. I see you got your tuba with you. I do. Maybe you should play a few bars. Well, all right. So as I uh, was talking about the bass, it's something that I've enjoyed listening to parade bands and jazz bands and funk bands, laying down the low end and kind of setting the mood, you know. <laughs> I can set a groove, I can uh, set a mood, and uh, hopefully get folks dancing and um, put a smile on their face. Man, I love it. I love it. So, what kind of music you listen to? I've been accused of being omnivorous when it comes to music, <laughs> and I do enjoy just sort of like the vast range of expression that humans have come up with and how they use all this sound for reflective time and praise and worship and celebration and courting and, and mourning and even just experimenting with pushing the boundaries of what you can recognize as being musical. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about observing art for art's sake, and I don't even understand it as I'm listening to it. And sometimes it's reminding me of a perfect 
time, a place, a moment, a party, something. I've had just incredible teachers all the way back, one of them being from a very early time in seventh grade, Professor here, Tony Maialo, was the director of my county band, and he introduced me to Stravinsky's Firebird. Mm -hmm. And that has been a through for me, just enjoying performing it, going to witness performances of it. My mentor at Yale, Willie Ruff, transformed it into uh, the Bursus into a beautiful jazz piece for horn, bass, and piano. And so I just kind of keep coming back to that. And so I always think back and I thank Tony Maialo who introduced me to it, but then also, 30 years later, voted to grant me tenure at the same university that he's teaching at. So it's like a, one of my early teachers is here on the faculty with me now. So it's like having that kind of lifelong experience because of the moments and because of the, you know, how the music is constructed and, and the aesthetic and what the purpose of it is, but then also the connections with the people. But that also applies to listening to Hendrix when I need some of that. I love Carter Beaufort's drumming and Dave Matthews' beautiful songwriting. And I love Buster Rhymes and Most Def and get nostalgic and I listen to some Biggie or some Tupac. Don't look so now, but you're, you're about to get some Herbie Hancock in the Green Machine. Uh, stay tuned. Nice. <laughs> nice. A little, a little rise. No, I hear you. Hey, um, you've said that you are as DC as DC gets. <laughs> now, we know a little something about DC around here. Uh, you know that. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? 202 has uh, got my heart and so that's hanging out on U Street and some Ben's Chili Bowl or doing the hip-hop bar crawl or playing jazz down the 8th Street Quarter or, or going to a game at Capital One or going to the Kennedy Center. That's hanging out on the mall, flying a kite or, or going to Earth Day. But it's like, like I was mentioning before, just so much family. All the grandparents, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, families are just everywhere in town, northeast and, and northwest and, uh, and southeast. All the different flavors are going to those spots. And the way that it keeps renewing itself, Eastern High School Marching Band is just, they have got my attention. They are got an amazing program and always have. And um, invited me out this summer, and I went to their Battle of the Bands, watched them do their thing, and I'm um, looking forward to doing more work with them. So it's not just about my past, but it's my present and my future that just keeps bringing me back to the homegrown, the townies, the home rule version of D.C., the folks that know how to get the right price for crabs at the wharf, folks that know... <laughs> oh, know. there's a right way to get the price for crabs? I just usually pay whatever's on the sticker. Uh, you walk in, you see some crabs, you say, give me those. That's right. And you pay whatever it is. We'll, uh, we'll oh, introduce you, you, you to you some folks. To, you definitely have to school me on that one. And then, yeah, just all that time I spent at my Noni's house in Southeast, my Gaga's house in Northwest, my Papa's house in the Northeast. So many beautiful memories. And then watching my friends and my cousins and all their beautiful families coming up. The place has my heart, and it always will, and I'll, I'll do everything I can to represent the whole area well. Outstanding. Outstanding. So when you see a pep band nationally, in almost all cases, pep bands don't do vocals. They just do music. You brought vocals into that element with Green Machine. And marching bands usually don't do yeah, vocals. Right, you're right. Every now and then, you'll hear one, they'll have some vocals, but they usually don't do vocals. So why bring that element into the mix, and how did you make it work? 
it was a an exercise in inclusion. We had people that wanted to do it. Ah. So so there was just no reason to leave them out, especially because we knew how to. We knew how to set up a microphone and set up a speaker, and then there you go. But then the power of it, the power of bringing the, the specific words in. We cover so many iconic bands, Zeppelin and Bon Jovi and Parliament Funkadelic and Jay-Z, and I can go on forever talking about all these different groups, Motown and Four Tops and The Temptations and all of it. The lyrics are so important in all those tunes, and it's powerful to be able to sing along, and, and that's something we wanted to do. we play a certain song even before we had the vocalist, and people would sing along anyway. And so, like I said, the crowd becomes the band. Right, and so. Right. In some respects, it's just acknowledging what was already happening, you know? Oh, I hear you. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I I tell you, I get into the songs all the time, especially when you're playing something that I actually know the lyrics to. Absolutely. (laughs) I just wind up singing right along with the band. Good. It's amazing. And we do everything. And that's why you do it. We know we have a very mixed community, Mm -hmm. so we try to make it a big old buffet so that everyone's going to hear something that's theirs, you know? No, no, that's cool. That's cool. So as we start to wrap up here, if you can walk us through your process on a day that you'll be directing Green Machine, right? You've said that it includes going literally into a telephone booth (laughs) and putting on the anti-Superman suit in terms of changing from Professor Nickens to Doc Nix. So what takes place during that transformation? I get excited about the games, especially teams that we have got a little history with, and I Mm want to see the next chapter of that play out. There is nothing, nothing like the VCU Rams coming to town. With those fans. I'm saying. We're not going to say too much about them. Energy. (laughs) But, like, it's just the same as Michigan-Ohio State. I have some lifelong friends because of that, because of our games. Now, I'm not officially allowed to ever call a rivalry. The VCU fans say that Mason – VCU, we are not rivals, so to just keep them off my back, I'm just going to humor them well, on that. Look, I've been down there. We're not as nasty to them <laughs> when they're here as they were the time that I went down there. It wasn't a fully crowded arena because we right, were right. still in the sure, COVID sure. protocols, but the people you know, who were there That is a spirited were, place. I'll tell you what they're trying to do. They're trying to get the best out of us. And if they're soft to us, then we'll be soft. And they're trying to be hard on us so that maybe oh, well. maybe we can get to that point where they would call us a rival. But what's really fun about all of that... Well, we've they, been down there two times. What's really fun about one all that time, banter, we, yeah. One time they beat us, one time we beat them. That's, that's, that's Since I've been here. And that's exactly what I was okay. going to say. No matter how many times they can point to this and point to that, there are always these key moments that they got nothing to answer for. The greatest moment, it was, it was called the Patriot Center at the time, and, and, and the Eagle Bank that I witnessed was Sherrod Wright with a buzzer beater from half court. Oh, just dagger buzzer beater for them. To me, the thing that that did to us as a community, though, everyone who was at that game, I can't imagine that they saw anything better in that building than that moment. And the only thing that might have been stronger in terms of being at a Mason basketball game was beating UConn. You know what I'm saying? But that VCU thing, it's exciting because it is so difficult. And you got to be focused. And you got to stay in your game. And, and the band members all know it. we got to keep the energy up by showing up and standing our ground with them. I definitely can say from the band's perspective, I know we have fans there. I know that we do. They tell me all the time. They admire the work that we're doing and they enjoy the work that we're doing. They admire how we are as into what we're doing as they're into what they're doing. Yeah, you know, they got a way about them that is uh, 
it's their personality to come at you. I uh, early on just sort of kind of got it and decided I didn't want to fight with it because in terms of effectiveness, I can't argue that they're an effective crowd base. I can't argue that. So I just wanted to make sure that they knew I admired that, even though I'm no, I hear you. Even though I'm, I'm the adversary, right? I'm not trying to speak for all of Mason Nation. I'm just saying. Me, Michael Nickens, Doc Nix, I enjoy the way that we tussled. It's like good brothers just coming at each other and, and getting the best out of each other. No, I hear you. I love it. And I look forward to this year's rendition. Yes, absolutely. Well, look, this has been great. This has been fantastic. Maybe as we wrap up here, you can carry us out All right. on one more tune with the tuba. And that will sum it up. All right. So as Doc Nix hits us with a tune, I would like to thank my dear guest, Michael Nickens, also known as Doc Nix, the director of Mason's Green Machine Ensembles. Thank you so much. I am President me. Gregory Washington saying until next time, stay safe, Mason Nation. Doc, carry us out. like what you heard on this podcast, go to podcast.gmu.edu for more of Gregory Washington's conversations with the thought leaders, experts, and educators who take on the grand challenges facing our students, graduates, and higher education. That's podcast.gmu.edu.